Let's get into it for a Tuesday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new edition of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. As always, Matt Robinson along with you here today. And uh, we didn't have this one on the schedule. We didn't have it on the calendar, but there's news. So we're going to talk a little bit about William Nylander. Make sure you're following along on social media at Tall Can Audio and that you are subscribed to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, if you missed it on Monday, our buddy Steve Lloyd was in here. Rob was unavailable, so Lloydy tagged in and uh, we had a great time talking to him. Uh, a little bit about this, you know, about William Nylander, but also about the Sens, also about uh, some spicy takes on Sportsnet's NHL presentation here over the last, I don't know, the last week or so and whether... You know, whether that's good for the broadcast to get a little controversy in there or whether you prefer a more kind of calm and analytical driven intermission. I know hockey fans in Canada have been largely unimpressed with Sportsnet's broadcasts for a while. And so uh, this was interesting. I don't know if it was a conscious choice or not. But anyway, Lloydie and I uh, got into that on the Monday show, uh, if you want to check that out. And I did confirm uh, a little earlier today with our buddy Lever Sage, who is still over in Italy, but we have locked it in. We are going to record with him on Wednesday afternoon, and we'll drop that for you on Thursday morning. I know a lot of you guys had gotten used to having uh, Lever in that Thursday morning spot, and um, you know, once he uh, went off and doing a little touring, doing a little vacationing. Uh, he's disappeared, and when he has been on since, it's kind of been all over the map, and we haven't pinned down a day. He will be back in that usual Thursday slot this week, so stick around for that as well. And on Wednesday morning, Brandon Mackey will be here. We've been talking about this one for a little while now. Uh, Mackey works with uh, with our buddy Hoff over at Oseg, and um, you know, often enough, uh, Hoffley delegates all the grunt work to Mackey so that Hoff can come over here and have a beer and talk sports. So uh, we're going to flip the script a little this time, uh, and uh, we'll leave the work to Hoff, and, and we'll let Mackie get in here. So uh, I've never met that guy before. He's never been on the show before, so that'll be interesting. We'll uh, we'll get to know him uh, a little bit on Wednesday morning. So it's a full week here on the Tall Can Audio Podcast. I uh, hope you guys will stick around for all of that. Uh, look, it's 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 a little higher than, than even what we were hearing at the end of last week. I think uh, Thursday, I believe it was, maybe Wednesday, Nick Kiprios was the guy to break on the, the Sportsnet broadcast of, of the Leafs and Ducks game, I believe it was, uh, that he was hearing eight years, $11.25 million. And Friedman was on that same panel and agreed that he was hearing roughly the same thing, that it was going to be right in that area. And it was a little shock to the system, I think, for a lot of Leafs fans because we'd been hearing since the summer that the Leafs were trying to get this done in something that started with an eight at the beginning. Now, I never thought that was feasible, but I also never thought this was going to crack 10. I thought the sweet spot would be 9.5, 9.7, something like that. But obviously, that's not what happened, and it's worth pointing out that Willie was the first of the big four to sign last time round. He takes that $6.9 million deal, and I can remember how many of you online were jumping up and down, and not all of you, but screaming that that was too much. Willie had not earned that, and it turned out to be the best contract of the big four, and he far outpaced a $6.9 million contract. But no doubt that was on his mind when he came into these negotiations after watching Marner and Matthews and Taveras 
Uh, I guess Tavares came in just before Willie signed. But uh, yeah, watching Marner and Matthews blow past that number. Uh, Marner at 10.893. Matthews at 11.8. 3 or 11.5, whatever that one was. I can't even remember now. He wasn't going to let that happen again. And frankly, he's earned a raise. Now, has he earned 11.5? Well, that's debatable. That's up to you. You get to have an opinion, good listener. But he definitely had earned a raise. And, you know, Friedman was sort of pushing back on Monday afternoon when this was announced and sort of saying that he never thought that the Leafs had a chance at getting it at, or it, not that he never thought, but looking back now with the benefit of hindsight, he doesn't think the Leafs could have gotten this done over the summer at like $9 million or nine and a half or, or whatever it was. A lot of the storyline, a lot of the narrative, a lot of the way this has been spun is that he's come out, had this incredible start and that's forced the Leafs to go up from where they wanted to be. And Friedman's point, I think, was that they were always going to have to come up. Willie was never going to talk to them if it started with the nines. So, fair enough. He has come out in this contract year uh, and put up an incredible start. He got off to, I don't remember what it was, a 15-game, 17-game point streak to start the season. Looked different, looked stronger in the way he's playing. Um... You know, he's never going to be, you know, the big open ice hitter and the the board battles guy, although he has gotten better at that as well. This is a very special player, offensively speaking, and better than he gets credit for in the neutral zone at breaking up plays with little stick lifts, right? Little, Little stick checks, things like that. And his ice time has gone up. At the beginning of the year, you remember there was some talk he might get a little bit of penalty kill. And he was kind of the fifth guy or the fifth forward on the penalty kill. Early in the season, you know, your your first couple pairings go out. And if there's a couple seconds left, you know, at the end of the, the PK, he'd kind of be the guy to go out there. Well, he is now firmly built into that spot. He is now a PK guy. He's not just, you know, if there's a couple seconds and you need somebody to do it. No, he's a part of the PK now. And we've seen a couple times lately when you're protecting a lead in the last minute. And traditionally, it's been like Camp, Matthews, Marner uh, out there. Uh, when the other team's got the goalie pill, uh, pulled and you're just trying to hang on. Well, Willie's been out there a couple times for that sort of situation now, too. So he's done his part this year. On top of the, the the great offensive numbers, on pace now for like 120 points and 50 goals. I don't know if he keeps that up and gets there, but he's gotten off to the unreal start and he's doing other things, too, right? He's playing better defensively. He's part of the penalty kill and he's kind of becoming more of a well-rounded guy. And it takes a long time for people's opinions to change, especially around the league. Like, if you don't watch the Leafs every night and you've just sort of heard of Willie being the, you know, free-flowing, an offensive guy, doesn't really care, that's sort of three years ago. And it takes a long time because your team, you know, whoever you are, if you're a Blues fan or a, I don't know, a Sens fan or, or who only sees the Leafs a couple times a year, you're not getting enough sample size to see those changes. You, you kind of watch them once every couple of months uh, when your team's playing them, and then you're on to the next thing, and you're more focused on your team. And that's just how it works for every fan base. So the, the, the reputation or the story around Willie is sort of out of date, and it's taking a long time for 
perception to catch up to reality. And we used to talk about this on the podcast about the Leafs defensive systems and how loose they were defensively. And for a long time, they were very bad defensively. Not even, I'm not even saying like back in the dark days, in the first couple years of the Matthews, Marner, Nylander era, they were still pretty bad defensively. But since Sheldon Keefe has come in, put in his system, uh, you know, got the guys playing the system the way he wants it played, their numbers are always top 10 now defensively. And and so this reputation of these run-and-gun Leafs that never pay any attention to defense, it took a long time for perception to catch up to reality, that that's just not accurate anymore. And so there's a little bit of that going on with Willie. Now, if you're a Leaf fan and you've watched him all year, you've seen this. And you watched what he did last year, where he was, I think, 87 points and, and 40 goals. Uh, another killer season. So he's been trending in the right direction. Now, is this all positive? No. No. And we can touch on that. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to sit here and pretend that this is all great, huge win, everybody's happy. Not everybody's happy. 11.5 is a lot of money for another winger especially when you already have Marner at 10.893. He is a year and a bit away from unrestricted free agency. Not only did he already want a raise and had... Ah, guys don't take less when they're 28 and they're putting up, you know, roughly 100-point seasons and, and doing the penalty kill thing that Marner does and this and that. But they definitely don't take less when someone else passes them. So he was already going to want a raise. It's up to you again to decide whether you think he's earned one. It's hard to say, right? Because he probably didn't deserve 10.893 when he got it five years ago. But he got it. And so now he wants a raise from there. Guys always want that number to go up. If he had made nine five years ago and then asked for 10.893 or asked to be equal with Willie at 11.5, you go, all right, I can see you deserving a raise from there. But how much more than 10.8 does Mitch Marner actually deserve? I don't know, but I know he's going to ask for more. You can bet on that. And so then your question becomes, can you afford to have two wingers on your team making $11 million when you already have a center making 13 in Austin Matthews? Now, by the time the Marner deal kicks in, the Tavares deal will be over. And this is a whole other thing. I don't know how deep you actually want to get into that today, but that's going to be a whole other thing. Tavares at 34, 35, whenever his deal expires, is not getting a raise. It's coming down. How far is it coming down? Does he still see himself as like a $9 million center as everyone else's numbers are coming up with the cap going up? Is he willing to be more like a, a Ryan O'Reilly in the deal he just signed in Nashville last summer, which was closer to five? Um, I can't imagine he's ready to do the Jason Spezza, Mark Giordano, 900 grand thing. But... You know, that'd be sweet <laughs> if you wanted to do that. But there will be money freed up at the time that Marner gets his next paycheck. But you will then need, with Tavares falling off, to go pay another big center to be your number two center, uh, since that's not going to be Tavares anymore. And what's that going to cost you? Like, all of these things, I keep getting, because I, I wouldn't say I've been critical, but I, I, I'm trying to keep this realistic right? What is all this going to cost? How is it all going to work? And everybody's chirping at me in my mentions going, well, you're not paying attention to the fact that Brody's coming off and 
Bertuzzi's coming off and Domi's coming off. Someone's got to take those jobs. Yes, those contracts are expiring. And if you're fine to just plug in some AHL nobody and, you know, have no depth, then yes, you can easily fit all these contracts, no problem. But in theory, when Tyler Bertuzzi leaves, you're going to have to pay another guy to come play top six wing for you. You're going to have to replace Max Domi if you're not keeping him at third line center. Maybe you're one of those people who thinks John Tavares needs to move to the wing and now you got to pay a second line center. TJ Brody is a top line defensive pair for you. If he's staying, he's taking a pay cut, but you need someone else to play top pair D for you. So yeah, please, if you're one of these people chirping at me going, well, all these contracts are coming up, there'll be space. You've got to use that space. This is the same thing the Leafs have been doing for a very long time. And in the regular season, in terms of points, all these sorts of things, the top four thing, the big four thing has been successful. And even in the playoffs, there have been moments where it hasn't worked, but Matthews has been fine in the playoffs. Nylander's been more than fine in the playoffs. Tavares... Uh, hit and miss, I guess you'd say, and it's Mitch who seems to cave under the pressure. But really what happens is you have no depth. You've been waiting for Pierre Ingval to score that big goal for you. You've been waiting for David Kampf to score that big goal for you. Like, there's just not been enough depth up and down the lineup behind the big four to get this done. And so now you're going to have Willie at 11, 11.5, Matthews at 13, Marner at at least 11, you have to assume. And you're going to be squeezed again, just like you were. You've doubled down on the big four thing. And I'm not even saying it was time to break up the big four thing. I'm just saying it's going to be tighter than the people are saying out there because all these contracts that are coming off the books, someone else is going to be put back on the books. And over the next two years, you need to either re-sign or replace TJ Brody, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, Joseph Wall. Joseph Wall is making less than league minimum right now. And if he's going to play over the next year and a half, anything like he had been playing since he'd been called up, he's not going to stay at less than league minimum. That's going to be a big bump. You need somebody to replace Ilya Samsonov, unless you're banking on Martin Jones being this elite all of a sudden in his mid-30s. It gets tight again fast. And all of this, I know I'm coming off as overly negative. I think William Nylander, if you forced me to pick a guy, is probably my favorite Leaf. Great player. Love Willie. Really happy he's back. Not even saying that he's not worth 11.5. But you have put yourself in a situation once again where everybody's getting pulled up high to that ceiling. He's now making what David Pasterdak is making. Now, that's sort of a controversial comparison. Um, David Pasternak, even at $11 million, took a little bit less than what he probably could have gotten as a free agent because that's what the Bruins guys tend to do. Um, so he's going to stay in Boston at $11 million. He's probably a little better than Willie. But he's now making the same as Willie. And while, while Pasternak took a little less, Willie grabbed every dime. And it's because Austin Matthews grabbed every dime. And Mitch Marner grabbed every dime. The only guy who didn't do that was Morgan Riley. Now, Morgan Riley got a big raise, but he could have, on, on, as, regardless of what you think of him, 
And frankly, since last year's playoffs and into this year, he's playing perhaps the best hockey of his career. He's been phenomenal. As an unrestricted free agent, that guy could have probably got nine. Seth Jones got nine. I, I, what, do you, what, is, what is Darnell Nurse at? He's at nine, isn't he? Like Morgan Riley could have got somebody to pay him $9 million. He took less to stay. No one else did. And so Willie said, yeah, you know what? I'm not letting that happen to me again. I'm not getting left in the dust again. And good for Willie for that. Um, as far as one last negative goes, I guess if you're someone who is worried about Willie's motivation, because we've seen that in the past, right? Where Keith has sat him down and benched him. Um, there is a bit of a, a theory or a bit of a, not a theory, but I don't even know what the word is, but like guys get fired up in their contract here. They play their balls off so they can go and get paid. Say they can say to the GM, they can say to their, Hey, look at this, look at what I'm doing, pay me. And now I've gotten paid and I can maybe let off the gas just a little bit. I am locked in for eight years at $11.5 million. My great grandkids will never have to work if they don't want to. If you're worried about Willie being one of those guys, then this could be concerning. But the thing about term on these contracts, and I see people, again, this is something I get asked about online occasionally. It's like, well, I thought you said you always want term. Because one of the things I complained about on the Austin Matthews extension was that they didn't get anywhere close to eight years out of him. You want term on that second deal, that deal coming out of your entry-level contract. You always want term there. If you can get eight years from an elite guy, take it, because that buys up their entire 20s. That's when you absolutely must have term. And some players, Matthews, unfortunately, being the guy who started this trend in the NHL, although it's been going on for a long time in the NBA, yeah, I know that too. I'm not giving you term in the 20s. I'm going to take about five years. I'll get myself to 26, 27, and then I'll be a free agent again. And the cap will be going up, and I'll have shown you again how good I am. And other guys' contract salaries will have gone up, and I'll get paid again. And this time, maybe I'll only sign for three or four, and then I can grab one more contract that'll take me through my 30s. You as a team don't want that. You want the guy locked up eight years through his 20s. The Leafs weren't able to get that on any of these three guys. I'm not necessarily saying eight years for Willie on his third contract is going to be bad. It might not be. Superstars have a tendency to not age as quickly. They still age. They still decline, but not quite as quickly as some of the other guys. And so maybe this is fine. But you are now paying Willie well into his 30s. Um, and that may or may not turn out to be a good recipe. One of the things you'd like to think as Brad Living came up and up and up. You know, apparently their first offer started with an 8. They landed at 11.5. And they gave Willie a no-move contract for the entire 8 years. That's not a negotiation. That's that guy just telling you, here's what I want. And you giving him all of it. You'd like to think, okay, it's not going to start with eight. It's not going to start with nine. It's not going to start with 10. But as we get up here, you got to give something back. I'm giving you something. This is a negotiation. And maybe those last two or three years on the contract don't have a no move con, uh, a no move clause. Maybe at that point, if we are seeing you decline, 
we can trade you then. Or it's a limited no trade, 10 teams, something like that. But Willie got all of it. There's no question here he took Treliving and the Maple Leafs uh, to the cleaner. And again, good on you, man. Love Willie. And I'm not super worried about him, you know, the motivation thing I mentioned a few minutes ago. I'm not super worried about that. I think he'll be fine. But these are concerns. These are victories the Leafs are not getting. The Bruins got Pasternak to take just a little less. The Leafs didn't. The Leafs didn't get him to, to ease up on the no-move thing. They gave him everything. That's, that's problematic. It's not great negotiating. I get that I've probably come off as a little negative here. And I, I honestly, I don't mean to. But there are real, you know, real world, I was going to say consequences. That's a very negative word again. But this has an impact on the franchise moving forward. They have clearly decided we're doing this again. And, you know, they couldn't just let Willie walk. And so they had to lock him up and he had all the leverage at this point. What does that do to Marner in a year or less than that? We already know he's a tough negotiator. We already know what he thinks of himself and this isn't going to help. Maybe you have to pick between them, but you have also given Willie that no move contract or that no move clause. So any move you might want to make down the road, he's going to have to sign off on. You got to assume Marner is going to ask for the same thing. So this is going to get complicated, but this is a good day. Despite the fact of the way I've been talking about this, this is a really good day for the franchise. This is a player. I, I don't know how to quantify, you know, desire to be here. I think that's, I think that's tough. Matthews always plays himself off. So kind of so cool and collected. Look, I think when he's on the ice, I think he's incredibly competitive. I know not everybody sees that or, or thinks that I do. Tavares obviously wanted to be here. He left. Being the captain of the New York Islanders, that was not an easy thing for him. He badly wanted to come home and do this. So, you know, put him near the top of the list. Marner grew up a Toronto kid, was a big Leaf fan. Uh, I assume he wants to be here as well. But Willie, Willie has never played it cool about this. Willie has always said, I want to be a Leaf. He was telling a story in one of the, the interviews that he did after signing the contract that like, he caught himself, and he didn't correct himself, but it was the first time he had noticed himself doing it while in Sweden with the Leafs back in November when they went over there for the Global Series. And he said to one of his friends, yeah, well, when I get home. And that was Toronto. He's in Sweden, and he's talking about going home. You know, Willie has this rep of being the perfect guy to play in Toronto because things roll off his back, but the guy cares, and he wants to be here. He wants to be a Leaf, and that's worth something. And he's putting up the numbers to make it worthwhile. Everything that has trended here over the last couple of years has trended in the right direction. Now, as he hits 28, 29, 30, you can't count on those numbers continuing to go up. But has he discovered a new way to play? Has he sort of found something in himself to be a little bit more consistent? It kind of looks like that, right? Like last year, I mentioned a little while ago, 40 goals, 87 points. This year, it looks like it's going to be closer to 50 and 120 points. I don't think that's what you should expect out of Willie every year, 50 and 120. That's a lot to ask out of anybody. But I think for the next three, four, five years, you should expect 40 goals. You should expect 90 points. That's the area this guy is going to be in. And wingers like that don't come cheap. So 
This is a really good day. You've locked up another guy, a guy who wants to be here, a guy who is incredibly popular with one section of the fan base. Uh, that section of the fan base's uncles all hate him, but that's fine. That's old school hockey. Look, the game's just played differently now. I talk about his stick work and his, his job getting back and little takeaways in the neutral zone or whatever. That's just as effective as a big hit. It is. It gets you the puck back and turning back the other way. And there aren't many guys in the league right now as good as William Nylander doing that. So it costs money to have good players. And so when you, I, I listed a few minutes ago a bunch of the, the possible problems. The reasons to be a little concerned about the direction of the team, but the positive is you get William Nylander for eight more years. I think this contract expires as he turns 35. He will certainly be into his decline by then, but you haven't locked him up till 38 or 39. You have this guy, and if he has found something that's allowed him to be a little more consistent, that there is a possibility here that this guy, you know, as the cap continues to rise, is easily worth eleven point nine or eleven point five million dollars, and that's the context you have to look at that, this in. Because, you know, we referenced the six point nine he took last time. There were people who were mad about it. Well, the cap went up and up and up a couple times, and now all of a sudden that six point nine is a bargain. I should mention that a little bit more in depth, and how the cap has affected the Leafs here specifically. I understand people don't have sympathy for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's fine. But Rob and I have discussed this a couple times on the podcast, that perhaps no team in the NHL got screwed harder by the pandemic than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it's just timing. It's just timing. When you locked up Nylander and then Marner and Matthews, and you expected the cap to continue to go up, right? And it just didn't. It didn't. Because of the pandemic, all of a sudden, there is no revenue. We're not able to sell tickets to a huge number of games. Like the whole sports world changed. And all of a sudden, the players owed the owners a pile of money. And so it took a long time to get that going up in the right direction again. And so all those guys signed that huge numbers, expecting that cap to rise, or at least the Leafs expected it to rise. And it stopped dead right there. And it stayed there for, what, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 here was the first year it creeped up just a little. And then 2024 is when it will actually go up significantly. Well, that was the length of all these contracts. The Leafs guys are all back at the bank window looking for more. And so you didn't get any of the the benefits of those cap numbers or those those contract hits, those cap hits. Why can't I get this out? Those cap hits and those contracts seeming like bargains. Maybe they were never going to be bargains, but seeming less painful. You never had one minute where that was true. <laughs> and now that it's over, now that it's all going up again, those Leafs guys are all coming back going, ready for my next deal, ready for a raise. And hey, look, the cap's going up, so you better find a way to afford it. And you're like, God damn it. The timing is brutal. So, you know, I don't really blame Dubas, who is the one who, who did all of those deals. I've said this before on the podcast. No one ever promises you the cap is going to keep up. That's uh, keep going up. That's not carved in stone. That's not guaranteed to you. But it was reasonable to expect it because every year since 05, that is what had happened. 
revenues keep going up a little bit. Better TV deals, ticket prices go up a little. Your league gets a little more popular here and there. You start playing the big outdoor stadium games, so you make some money off those. You're going to Europe, you're making money off that. Internet uh, broadcast rights start going up, and it just keeps going up and up and up. So no, no one guaranteed Dubas, like Dubas bet on the fact that it was going to go up, and he lost that bet, but it was a pretty reasonable bet at the time, and then it stopped. We kept playing games. Those Leaf contracts burned off. Now that we are back at a place where the cap's going up, they all come back saying, hey, yeah, sorry about that, but here's the world we live in now, and I want my raise. So just in terms of the timing, it's been pretty hard on the Leafs. Like I said, I don't expect you to feel any sympathy for them, especially if you're not a Leaf fan. But the timing, and maybe if you're not a Leaf fan, it's not that the timing's been tough on the Leafs, it's the timing's been hilarious. Maybe that's just a different perspective based on who you cheer for. But... That's a bit of that's a bit rough for for Toronto. So, I guess in closing, uh, the one thing we would say here is that I think in two years you're going to be fine. Like I said, Joseph Wall will need a, a, a you know an, a, a significant raise by then. You'll have either had to re-sign Domi and Bertuzzi or replace them or whatever. But Tavares's number will have gone well down, and you can kind of remap things a little bit from there. The big four era will be over. Tavares will still be here, but he won't still be being paid like that. And so they'll have a chance to reimagine things. But next year, Tavares is still locked in. And so that's going to be really tight. Everyone keeps saying, don't worry about it. The cap is going up. The cap's going up this year by $4 million. Willie got a $4.6 million raise. So that cap number going up has been eaten up and then some. That doesn't count the million and a half dollar raise that Austin Matthews got or is getting next year. So when you start to think, what is the the 2024-2025 season going to look like? Well, you better hope Joseph Wall is your guy because he's got one year left making league men. But that cap tap dancing you had to do this summer just to get Bertuzzi and Domi in here, it's actually a little tighter. It's actually tighter going into next year than this year. And this year saw you do the Klingberg thing, right? And the Ryan Reeves thing, who's, by the way, still going to be on your books. Next year is going to be tough, and you don't get to take a step back. Some franchises, some teams who have been really successful can take a look at their cap situation, can take a look at their roster and go, okay, we're not rebuilding, but we understand this one year is probably not going to be our year. But it's okay, because we've had some success. You know, if you're Pittsburgh and you won in 2009, and it takes you a couple years to kind of get things set up again and rejig to take a couple more runs in 16 and 17 like they did, that's okay. You can do that because you've had that success and your fans understand. The Leafs have had no playoff success. So they can't afford to take a step back next year. And yet, as far as the salary cap looks, that's almost certainly what's going to have to happen. Or you're trading a fairly major piece away. I don't think Marner's getting traded. But I do think this contract from for William Nylander suggests that you're going to have to at least consider it. And then what are you getting for Marner with one year left on his deal? And I actually, I think he has a no trade right now or a no move. So this is going to be really interesting. But I thought it was important to kind of outline what this means for the team. Like I said, I've been getting chirped all day. Don't worry, all these contracts are going away. Cool, well, they'll just play with 14 skaters then, I guess. Or maybe you want to replace those guys. Maybe you want to have someone on your roster. 
Someone's going to be making that money. Someone's got to take those spots. So things did not get more loose for the Leafs today. But you did sign an elite player, an elite player who has only been getting better the last couple of years, and a player who clearly wants to be here. That's not just talk like it is for a lot of guys. He wants to be a part of this. He loves it here. He's embraced the market, and huge swaths of the fan base have embraced him. So it's an interesting day for the Leafs, and uh, there will be many more interesting days to follow. And look, what are we, a month and a half away from the trade deadline? A little more than that? Um, They needed this done and clarified. Is he staying or is he going? And what's he got? Because, you know, they're they're out there shopping. They need to improve this team going into the playoffs this year. Can we afford to bring in somebody with extra years? Or does it have to be a pure rental? How do they fit in next year with Willie up at 11.5 and Matthews up at 13.5? Gets pretty expensive. Uh, the William Nylander contract uh, is worth $92 million. That is the biggest contract in terms of total payout in Toronto Maple Leafs history. Obviously, Austin Matthews would have had that title if he had wanted to take the full eight years, but he's doing these shorter deals to make sure he can keep circling back to uh, to get back in the cookie jar. So that's fine, but that leaves William Nylander at $92 million. Uh, 27 of that will be paid out in the first two years. So they've tried to make this tradable later if it does turn out they need to get out from under it. But the no move clause kind of undoes whatever flexibility you've created. That there's also a ton of uh, of signing bonuses here. Every July first, Willie's getting a huge check, and then making like league min throughout the season. There's a couple years where that's not true, but sixty nine million dollars of the ninety two million dollars will be paid on uh, July one each year as signing bonuses, uh, is as opposed to salary throughout the year. So that's sort of easy for the Leafs. They don't mind doing it but it's a kind of a poison pill if you want to trade it. Lots of teams don't want to sign those signing bonuses. Can't afford to pay these huge lump sums every year. It's something the Leafs have used to bring people in, right, as as free agents. Get your money right up front. We'll give it all to you now if that's what you want because they can afford to do it. A lot of teams can't. They like to spread it out through the year. So it, there's, there's good and bad in terms of how you're going to be able to handle this contract moving forward. But I think all you do is you just... You hope Willie's going to be Willie and he's going to keep performing. Maybe get another year or two where he's kind of on the rise a little bit. And then if he kind of settles in at 40 goals, 80, 90 points, I think you're thrilled with that. I think those guys are hard to find. There aren't a lot of guys out there at this point. He's tied right now for fifth in uh, points in the league with Connor McDavid. Is he Connor McDavid? No. But should you be able to expect him to push the top 10 in points for you know, the next several years, yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect that out of him now. He's being paid like that. He's going to have to perform like that. Like I said, love Willie. Glad he's sticking around. Glad he's going to be here for eight years. I was happy to see it. The number, yeah, it's a little jarring. You look at it and you go, man, that makes me uncomfortable. I think I've seen this movie before. But ultimately, I'm glad they're keeping him. And, uh, yeah, you, you keep as much star power as you can. You keep as much talent as you can. And then you just do what you have to do and try and find a way to build around it. So that's where we'll wrap this up. Uh, like I said, on Wednesday morning, Brandon Mackey's going to be here. That's going to be a lot of fun. Thursday morning, we will talk to uh, Lever Sage over in Italy. 
Uh, it's going to be a good week around here. Uh, we've been talking a bunda about getting him back in here. I think that's going to wait for next week, but uh, we'll see how things shake loose. And uh, Rob certainly will be back on Monday morning of next week. So, um, like I said, this one was unscheduled, but the Willie news, oh, it's big news. It's big, big Willie news. So, thought we'd, uh, we'd talk about it just a little bit. Thank you so much for checking this out. I appreciate each and every one of you listening to the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you Wednesday morning with Brendan Mackey. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still count was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.